Tonight to the Kicking Show, episode six, and we've got Seth and Justin. Um, you know, it's, we had to do it a little bit early this week, one night. I'm sorry, guys, but my birthday's on Wednesday, and we uh, we have plans. I'm in Mooresville at, at Chris Knight's house. I have my my blanket because <laughs> it's cold, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about what's going on this week in NASCAR. But before we get to that. We have to give a shout out to Young Ryder Wells, who uh, is our, the, the micro sprint driver that we sponsor uh, in Texas. He scored his second micro sprint uh, uh, win. But this was a little bit different because this was actually in a points race. Last week, he won his first career micro sprint win and moved into the track championship lead. But now he's actually won. On the points paying uh, on the point circuit that he's racing in, and and he lapped six cars. So uh, riders, rider learning that micro sprint. Uh, this is his rookie year, so uh, props to him. He's second in overall points. So nice. uh, we're really we're really happy to, to sponsor him. Also, Preferred Contractors is one of his sponsors, and he uses Sawyer chassis uh, for anybody who knows anything about micro sprints. Uh, so it's a good little driver. That's pretty cool. You've been to a few of his races, yeah. I have been to many of his races. Yes, I have. And uh, I plan on going with him from micro sprints to, like, ARCA to trucks to Xfinity to Cup. You see this progression? Oh, by the way, I do his marketing and PR. (laughs) Uh, And uh, someone else also, uh, real quick, I want to touch on. I I didn't think of it before the show until you were just talking about it, but... Uh, Raja Karut from the Drive for Diversity actually got his first late model win this past weekend at Greenville Pickens Speedway, almost 10 years oh, wow. to the day to Bubba Wallace's first win at the same track. Oh, wow. Good. Good good weekend. Jeez, and that's so. like right after Gracie getting her first win. Who's next? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted, I was, I'm glad you brought that up because it actually wasn't a national series win. It is. It was a, a West Coast win, right? It was a West Coast win, but because they combined everything, but yeah, it's it's it, not yeah. it's not an actual Arca Menards win. It is a, it is a West Coast win? Gotcha. So a little bit of a clarification there, um, you know, but still, it doesn't take away from the fact that that Gracie got that win. So congratulations again to her. Totally. Um, cool. So we got a, a pretty short list, not too much to talk about, uh, except for, well, the big announcement today. Uh, we finally find out who takes over the 48 car, Alex Bowman. Um, so he's going to be moving from the 88 to the 48. I know that was kind of something in the rumors of what was uh, potentially going to happen. Um, uh, and I think that's pretty well deserving because Bowman, ever since he got into that 88, he's, uh, he's been able to pick them off little by little and get a little bit better here and there and then get a couple wins in that car. Um, what do you guys think of him being in the 48? At least for me, it is a big uh, shoes to fill on a normal circumstance. Yes. But Bowman kind of already did that when he took over for junior. So I don't think he's going to have as much pressure on him 
as he would have if he hadn't replaced Junior to begin with. Yeah, I'm 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 happy for Alex. I mean, I, I know why this is happening, um, and and I think if you, you, most everybody, both you know, you guys know why this is happening, and anybody who has any inside knowledge of NASCAR knows why this is happening, and that's because Kyle Larson is coming to Hendrick Motorsports, as we've talked about several times. He's not he didn't end up going to Ford. Uh, he's going to go and race for Rick Hendrick. It is going to be my understanding a. Hendrick-backed team. I don't know how that works or what the sponsor relationship type thing is, but they, they took Bowman and they moved him to Ally and uh, and put him in the 48. And it's going to, it's it's going to, I mean, if I were going to drive a car, why not drive a car that has, has this, you know, associated with seven, you know, championships with the guy that was previously driving it. That's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's pretty bold. So uh, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have Willie B., you're going to have Bowman. You're going to have Larson and, and, Chase Elliott. and Chase Elliott. Now, when you look at these guys and you look at Bowman today, did you see the photo of Bowman? This. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking kind of like the bad boys of NASCAR with the scruffy <laughs> beards look. I'm just, you know. So I, I think Rick is going for a for a kind of his own little. You know, maybe it's renewed uh, Gillette Young Guns. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think Rick has a plan here, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. That's interesting. Yeah, and then it kind of brings up the question of if uh, you know Larson, you know, if slash when that does officially happen. Uh, obviously, considering that NASCAR still has to officially reinstate him. But does he go to uh, the 88, or does Rick start up the five again, or the 25? Like, what's I, what's going to happen there? I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in the, I, 20, in the 25 or the five. Although, although if it's Hendrick backed, could it also be maybe 57? Since Hendrick has had the 57 in the past, and that is Larson's number in sprint cars. That's very possible. That's, that's that is a possibility. That's so. a good point. Uh, yeah. But you also mentioned Hendrick backed. It almost makes me wonder if there's going to be another owner that runs that one car for Larson, and then Hendrick keeps the 88 open for another person to come in, maybe. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I do know that that would not be unprecedented in the sport uh, to have a, a car, though, that is part of an organization that is compartmentalized. And, and what, I, what I'm talking about is when Kurt ran for Stuart Haas and he was in the 41 car that was a Gene Haas car Gene funded that car Gene had his own line item sheet things that were bought for that car went to Gene's bill and he paid that bill so I'm sure it's going to be some type of a setup like that um, rather than you know maybe I don't know if there'd be a separate actual owner who knows maybe it is a technical alliance type of a, a situation but I, I've seen a similar system uh, with Stuart Haas Racing where, you know, the, the other cars of the organization, um, Harvick at the time, Danica uh, and, uh, and, and Clint, were separate from what Kurt had in the 41 car. Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with the rest of that. But uh, big congratulations to Bowman taking over the 48. Uh, the other kind of silly season news update is Matty D um, pretty much sharing on Sirius XM that, well, there's no update. So 
that's pretty much that going on there. But we know where he's. We do know where he's going, though. Where's that? He's going. He's going to the house right now. That's where he's at. He's hanging out. <laughs> he's waiting for someone to call him. He's, he pretty much said that. He's 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 just waiting for the phone call this week. So that's all we know. All right, so maybe maybe this will get up on YouTube before it's uh, announced, uh, maybe after. But uh, what do you guys think? It's been kind of borderline, but do you guys think he stays in the 21, or do you think he goes somewhere else? Well, if he goes somewhere else, that would essentially open the door for Cinder to go into the 21, which if Cinder goes there... Who takes the 22 in the Xfinity series? Could that be a place Matty D could land? Why would he have to? I um, know. Look, Matt, Matt Benedetto has proven that he deserves a Cup Series ride. Okay? Yep. He has been basically the whipping boy of, you know, of NASCAR drivers as far as getting kicked from, you know, pillar to post on what he's going to drive with one-year deals. And he did it. He took these risks himself. I get it. Yep. But good God, give the guy a couple of years to prove himself. Yeah. He almost mm -hmm. won this past weekend. You know, okay, we're going to get into the yellow line rule. And I hate that he didn't win. I'm actually glad he got penalized because I was totally livid on Twitter after the race the other night. And, <laughs> you know, I was mad at NASCAR for all kinds of stuff. Um, but, you know, I wanted him to win. I think the whole NASCAR fan base wanted him to win. And, and, you know, because he's the story. How great would that be if Matt Benedetto would have won at Talladega? You know? Yeah. Or I Vegas. Think, or, or, or Vegas, yeah. Or at exactly. Bristol. <laughs> so, anywhere. Heck, even Sonoma last year, he was, he was on the charge. He was the fastest car on the track. And New Hampshire as well last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and he's and not only that, but he's taking and, and definitely no offense to uh, the teams out there, but just to put it into reality perspective, he's he's in a tier two car last year, and then this year kind of being on the borderline of tier one, tier two uh, car with the Wood Brothers, and he's putting it right up at the front, um, fairly regularly. So, uh, and there's there's a couple guys in tier one rides that aren't doing that. So, I no, and yeah, you know, and he's not the only one. I mean. Um, Ty Dillon doesn't have a ride for next year, and he's definitely in a Tier 2 car. Uh, but we know that Ty Dillon knows how to drive. He's proven it in Xfinity and trucks. He actually, I believe he said that he has better finishes than Kyle Busch when the two have gone up against each other. <laughs> like, he beat Kyle. So, And Kyle is pretty darn good if you look at the record books, you know. So... You know, mm -hmm. I, I feel for both of those guys. and But this is big-time auto racing, and there's nothing you can do about this. This has happened. You know, it, it just so happens that, you know, they may not have a ride, or they may end up having to go to Xfinity or may have to go to trucks. Yeah. Uh, talking about trucks, uh, we'll get into their playoffs here in a second just because they had their cutoff. But first, uh, maybe something got leaked a little too early, but on the entry roster uh, on NASCAR.com, Haley Deegan is listed as the driver for one of the DGR trucks for Kansas. I'll, I'll take this one because well, I don't think that DGR Crosley knew that the rosters 
were available to everyone this early. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that Haley Deegan will be in the truck at Kansas. I, 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 I know that we reached out to them for a comment. We received a comment from Lori, and she said they put her on there just in case they need her. But I'm really sure, based on sources that I've talked to, that she's going to be in the truck at Kansas. Plus, they alluded to it on their podcast, on the, mm -hmm. the, yep. the Deegan podcast. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like at this point, all they did was they lost a little bit of publicity that they could have gotten with her making yeah. that, that debut in that, in that truck. And that kind of sucks, and I'm sure someone's <clears throat> going to rethink it. She's not racing for points, so why did you have to put the roster out there? There was no reason to do it unless, unless they did it by design to get people to talk about it, to sub-channel it, and then make a big splash, and we just happened to hit upon it. So that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. If they did, great. And sure. and they're one of only three teams actually put their rosters up so far. The other ones being Front Row Motorsports and Henderson uh, Motorsports. Henderson being a uh, one that Klingerman drives for, and they also run a partial schedule. I don't think they had announced they were running Kansas yet, which I guess maybe it's a lesson for all teams as well that's available this early. So yeah, Parker, Parker Klingerman looks like he'll be yeah. running Kansas. I'm hearing that uh, in the Xfinity series, there'll be uh, another driver that you don't see very often. Uh, I, I think Dylan Lupton's gonna gonna make a run in the Xfinity series for DGR as well. I think he ran out at Vegas, and in the truck. So uh, it's gonna be uh, you know it's gonna be interesting. Here's the thing: there's not gonna be a lot of media, from what I'm hearing from the NASCAR media at Kansas. So uh, all these guys are making their debuts out at Kansas, or not debuts, but you know, making their runs at Kansas, uh, we're going to have to cover it from afar because uh, there's just not a lot of us going to Kansas this year. COVID has, COVID has killed the travel of, uh, for, for most NASCAR reporters. Hmm. Yeah, so that will be interesting to see how she does in the truck. I know uh, she's been kind of one of the rising female stars, especially in NASCAR. Uh, but going to Talladega real quick with the truck series, Rafael Lasard getting his first career win in that number four Toyota, not in the playoffs. So stealing a win from the playoff drivers. So with that said, Talladega being the cutoff for, uh, these guys, unfortunately, Christian Eckes and Todd Gilland are the two that find them below the cutoff. Uh, neither of them having wins, uh, for this uh, season so far so that leaves austin hill sheldon creed zane smith grant Enfinger, brett moffett ben rhodes matt crafton and tyler ankrum in the top eight going into these next three races uh, to determine the final four um who do you guys have for well first what are your guys' thoughts on uh the two going out and then who do you think are going to be the next four going out and the four going in That's a tough one. I mean, looking at who is in right now and who technically is out right now, granted, uh, this round of their playoffs hasn't started yet. It's hard to bet against Creed, Moffitt, uh, Austin Hill, and Grant Enfinger with the way they've been running this year. And see, I'm a little different from you. I mean, yeah, Austin Hill, um, but, you know... He he caused a couple of wrecks during the uh, during the truck race at Talladega. 
he may have a target on him. Trust me. Uh, true. But, true. But uh, you know, you're looking at at, at Crafton. Guys won you know several truck series championships. I don't count him out. And he's coming up to some good tracks. Um, it would be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with him. Um, to see whether or not he knocks out one of those other guys to uh, to make it to the to the final four. Yeah, and they obviously aren't racing at the Roval, so they'll be coming up in two weekends uh, at Kansas, then Texas, and then the short track at Martinsville before they get to the cutoff at Phoenix. And isn't that a makeup race or a, a sub race? Uh, the, it's a makeup race, yes, yeah. for uh, the trucks. Uh, and before we leave the trucks, I do want to note real quick uh, Lassard's win, it, he's only the fifth. Uh, international driver to win in the truck series and only the 10th in any of nascar's national series wow i met Les, i met rafael last year at iowa um went out to iowa for uh, to cover that race for us and he was at the i met him at the at the drivers you know interviews and doing stuff and, and walking doing some of the the meet the driver meeting stuff but then i really got to talk to him and met his family at the airport in iowa when we were all weather delayed uh, for hours and hours and the last place you want to be stuck for a weather delay is in Iowa there's nothing to do in there <laughs> so but he was a really nice guy and, and he talked to us and and and, and gave us gave us some some of his time just kind of chilling out there with his family and this is the list that he joins for drivers that are foreign born to uh, win in NASCAR's national series Mario Andretti Earl Ross, Larry Pollard, Ron Fellows, Marcus Ambrose, Juan Pablo Montoya, Nelson P.K. Jr., Daniel Suarez, and Stuart Friesen. Stuart Friesen's a foreign driver? Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's I, had no, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I you thought could... he was. I thought he was a good old country boy from, from the USA. <laughs> I had no idea. I guess he, he, sorry, he's Stuart. From... I was going to say, I guess it's your turn to go up to him and say sorry. (laughs) He's from Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, Canada. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah, learn something new every day. I've I've covered this sport for a long time, and I had no clue. (laughs) No, good win for that kid. Um, He's he's definitely a good good kid from from the short time that a lot of us have gotten to know him. But... um, yeah, and then just a quick note on the Xfinity series. Uh, no cutoff there, uh, as they still have the Roval before their cutoff. Uh, Haley getting the win at Talladega, uh, obviously after uh, Noah and Briscoe. And that's Justin Haley, just to, yes. just to make sure, because <laughs> yes. we're talking yes. about Haley Deegan. So. <laughs> Justin Haley. Uh, I'm so used and, to writing in AP that I'm like just ignoring the first name now. <laughs> And uh, Michael Nett was disqualified for failing post-race heights. Yes, I think crossed the line second, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we actually expected a, a couple of drivers to lose uh, to fail post-race, but only one did. I had my I had my tweet and my story ready to go, and it ended up they, the the other driver passed. So we're not going to say anything about it. But there was another driver that originally had uh, may have had some trouble. Uh, going through these heights. But I will say this for Mm -hmm. Annette. Before the disqualification, he was only three points out of the top eight. 
uh, going into the cutoff. Now yeah, he's, he's toast. Thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, now he's thirty-eight points behind the cutoff. So he needs to win in the rain this weekend at the Roval. Yes. And I'm not sure he. I don't, I don't remember him being that. No offense to Michael, but I don't remember him being that good or up front often on road courses. There's always a first time. Yeah. Yep. That's all it takes is that first time. Maybe the rain will be the great equalizer. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going to be something. <laughs> Either way, it'll be fun. But yeah, we got Harrison Burton, Brandon Brown, Riley Erbst, and then Michael Annette below the cutoff line. It's Herbst. Herbst. Yes. Yeah, like, like Riley Herbst, like terrible Herbst gas stations in Las Vegas. Oh. They own them all. I always say it as a silent H. All right, I'll say that again. So we got Harrison Burton, Brandon Brown, Riley Herbst, and Michael Annette below the cutoff line for the Xfinity Series with one race to go before their cutoff. But I will say Michael Annette doesn't have to feel alone because he wasn't the only guy disqualified for the weekend. So we ain't going to even talk about who won the cup race. We ain't going to even talk about who's below the cutoff line because what everyone's all talking about is this, uh, what does Junior say? The big ass spoiler, right? So this big ass <laughs> double yellow line on the left side of the road. <laughs> so obviously, I tweeted out a photo. I tweeted out a photo of how they could solve it. Somewhat, some artist drew a moat with alligators and sharks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that Perfect. was uh, that was Bruno Raphael. Uh, I actually interviewed him back in the spring at the start of the pandemic. Oh uh, yeah. For, I did that for a feel-good story to try to lift everybody's spirits because we're all stuck in quarantine. <laughs> I loved it. I, yeah. I, I, I thought it was great. I tweeted it back out and said, this is how you solve the problem. But apparently, you know, uh, after, after grilling NASCAR, they like, they like the controversy. They don't care that it's ridiculous to have a, you know imaginary line down there. And, uh, you know, they decided to enforce the rules however they want to enforce the rules, you know. One week we're going to enforce it where we're, we're getting the guy who's pushing people down. The next week we're going to enforce it with the guy going below. I think they need to watch the entire race, but that's just me. I, I think it's a necessary evil that's there. That being said, it needs to be consistent in the calls. Like, uh, and that's the main thing. Here's how you can solve this, okay? I thought about it today. Just make the transition so horrible from the surface to to the flat, okay? Make it so bad that if a driver drops below what would be a yellow line and they go below onto the onto the flat from the from the turns, make it so they will wreck. They won't do it for long. So don't do a yellow line. Just do like an oil line or something. <laughs> yeah, just just make it so make the transition so horrible. Put like a ridge, you know, something that it will grab their tires and it will spin them out of control, and they won't do it again. It. it I, I'm almost thinking, would the traction compound do that on the apron? Right. Because of the way it grabs the tires elsewhere, the difference in grip that might. Uh, granted, I'm not. I don't want anyone to actually wreck, you know, and get hurt. But I'm sitting no, here thinking. No, of course not. But I'm sitting here thinking, 
That might actually be a deterrent if the uh, traction compound was there. I'm not sure if you saw the end of the race, but I think there were only like seven cars without damage. Wrecking was not a problem. This I feel like yeah. there's more cars that survived Bristol and Martinsville than they did. Well, <laughs> you mean combined? Combined. Well, well, well I, I almost want to say, even though you had only about seven or eight cars didn't have damage, there's more cars finishing with damage at Talladega nowadays than there used to be. Yeah, go listen to go yeah. read my tweets about the what the tower said uh, about Jimmy Johnson. They, cl I guarantee you, knowing the tower and what they were going through, they cleaned up what they said over the radio. There's parts mm -hmm. and pieces falling all off that 48 car. That's not what would have been said if David Hoots would have been on, on you know, in the tower years ago. We would have had some expletives about the, the mm -hmm. 48. Uh, we also heard them say, put the put the tw uh, put the 22 down low on the track because he's got fluid leaking everywhere. Uh, you know, they basically told Jimmy Johnson that, you know, you're going to the garage. You're not coming. You know, you're not coming back out. Uh, what else? There were several interesting comments from the NASCAR Tower over the radio this weekend. I love listening to them because uh, when they get riled up, you know, it's like, what part of Black Flag do you not understand? <laughs> oh, man. I, I know how that feels because I just finished a doubleheader weekend, championship doubleheader weekend as a race official. There you go. I get it. And I just have to laugh. That's all you can do is just laugh at stuff like that. But, but, but like I said, it, in the end, it is a necessary evil because uh, talking to some people, they would probably be 12, 15 wide going into turn three which maybe can hold six cars without them wrecking side-by-side. Side. Uh, and that might even be a stretch with the way they drive nowadays. Let them crash. I'm with I'm with Dale Jr. on this. Just just get rid of that yellow line rule. Just Ray get Dale, rid of it. Dale. Just get rid of it. You don't, Sweet, need, uh, you don't need judgment calls in the hands of the officials. I tweeted well, it when he said it on TV. I was like, praise Dale. Oh, I, I'm going to say this, though, to uh, what you just said, Shuler. You don't need judgment calls. Uh, I, I, I've i had a few friends from uh, my I, from that I used to be teammates with on iRacing uh, say, why not just do what IndyCar does and uh, do penalties for blocking? You move once, it's fine. You move a second time, it's not. And I'm saying they're like, but aren't those judgment calls no. as well? You can't you can't do a blocking penalty at at a place like Talladega. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because but, there's no so the way of blocking because uh, for those of you who don't know what a blocking penalty is, if you don't f watch open wheel, uh, most of it's on road courses, and so a blocking penalty means uh, uh, you're allowed as you go into a corner to make one move to hold your position. So if you go from the outside lane, because obviously you want to go from the outside lane, hit the corner at the apex, so you're diving to the inside of the track and then having your car swing out wide to go to the outside again. When you make a block, you do one move to the inside, and you have to commit to that line all the way down to that corner, as if like to your left, like if you're making a right-hander, to your left is all dirt and gravel or grass or whatever. You can't then swing back out and then try to make the corner. You have to stick at that line. If you make that second move, like what Seth is saying, that is technically a blocking penalty um, uh, just because it, you you're going to purposely, intentionally wreck other people uh, doing that. You can't really have that at Talladega because 
going into the next corner, okay, you picked one lane, and I just kind of sit there for like 30 seconds, unlike Formula One, where you make that move, and you have two, three, or five seconds to that next corner. So so let's talk about a few blocks. Matty D deserved to get disqualified. He deserved to lose, you know, to lose his spot because he admitted that he blocked the crap out of, you know, Willie B. Mm-hmm. Any forcing below the O line, yeah, that was clear, cut and dry. 100%. However, Denny Hamlin took exceptional <laughs> issue with it, and not only went below the yellow line to avoid a wreck, he stayed down there. Yes. Thank and you. Pick up a lot of position. That so, was my issue with him. He he, I, sh- he should have lost the win as well. Go back a little bit. <clears throat> I'm not sure about the first one with Joey Logano. Maybe he pushed whoever it was. I didn't see that one, but I saw what Chase Elliott did and Joey Logano did going into the turn. And Chase Elliott cut low, got a bad line, went below the yellow line and they blamed it on Joey and that's not what happened Chase got such out of shape that he hit Joey and then they called Joey after he was crashed and wrecked in the middle of the pack that was ridiculous that was a stupid call too and and then later on they penalized Chase for passing below the yellow line coming to the checkered and And he appealed it he he appealed it and and they overturned it and penalized Busher for forcing him down there. Which he didn't. Busher, I don't think that was a legit call on NASCAR's part to, to, to do Busher. I think if you look at what Busher was going through, they were trying to avoid killing each other there <laughs> up, up in the middle of turn four. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't that one. It was uh, the trioval one that he was uh, oh, penalized okay. for. But, yeah. Well, they were and, still, they were so yeah, out of shape yeah. right there out of four that, I, I mean, it was hard to keep track. And I was sitting and, there at the track on, you know, looking over what was going on. It was hard to keep track of where everybody was at. And speaking of that, and then by themselves off of four uh, coming to the checkered, uh, John Hunter Nemechek went below the L line to pass Brennan Poole for eighth, and that was never called. Which, granted, with everything going on up front, I can... Oh, yeah. Nemechek, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. that. And uh, Dalen Bark uh, got a photo of it. You can clearly see Nemechek is a little over three quarters of the way below the O line, passing Pool uh, at the first part of the trial. So, yeah, which that's what I'm talking about. You get these judgment calls in, in the hands of the officials, and and I'll tell you what, as an official, because because here's here's the problem: if you if you put too much judgment call into the hands of the official, um. You you only have a certain number of, of officials watching the track. So at our at our cart club, for example, we have some of our bigger classes have 30, 35 uh, drivers, sometimes even 40 drivers out there on the track at once. Um, what happens, though, is we only have about four officials that have the authority to make a call. We have corner workers uh, with yellow flags, and then we give blue flags to, uh, like, the back stretch, and then what we call the stretch up on the grid or the grid straight, and then we have the front stretch where the start finishes. So he has a blue flag also, naturally. Um, 
they don't they don't make calls they help us with numbers if we see something and then we're like we need those numbers they'll help us out with that but they don't make the calls it's only four of us now when you get up to those larger classes with 30 35 40 people in it obviously if you, even if you split that evenly amongst all of us that's only 10 12 drivers every pair of eyes we're not going to see everything so what happens with uh all of the all of the mechanics all of the teams you know the dads if, the, if it's their kids out there on the track what happens with them they are watching one driver on the track 24 7 and if something happens to their kid and we don't call it because we didn't see it, it it we're we're the worst official in the entire world and blah 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 <laughs> so i i, I want to say this because fans are watching their driver 24 7 right that's what's happening when you go back and watch the replays you're watching your driver sure maybe you watch the replay to see the cool finish but you go back and see what your driver did because that's who you are watching I, i'm playing devil's advocate here to kind of let people understand that it's not easy to go and watch all that now granted nascar has all of this technology to go through all this video footage um and and stuff like this, especially with Nemechek's situation, I don't think that one should have been missed. And Denny Hamlin's situation, let's just let's just say, okay, he went down there to avoid a wreck. But my issue, and where if if I were an official, I would have said penalty on the eleven, tail end of the lead lap cars, because you stayed below, just like what you said, Jerry. You stayed below the yellow line. You took advantage of the out of bounds to uh, gain positions. That's that's almost like a cut track rule. If if you get forced off track, you need to re-enter the track safely and in a reasonable amount of time. But he what happens probably, is people just floor he, the gas and take advantage of it. He probably gained 50, 50 feet of the track by going by staying down as low as he did and he knows it and look i i like denny okay denny I, if, if i have to pull for someone you know to, to win a championship this year denny's gonna be my pick i i hope he does it'd be great but i still think he should have gotten called on on this this final lap at talladega yep and every i can't tell you how many drivers this past weekend came up to me and went come on justin you know i didn't wreck him on purpose uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. You're 100 percent right, and and I've told every single one of them. I'm like, because some of them, I'll be completely frank. Like they they would never harm a fly. They have a ton of respect for the competition. Fantastic drivers, talented guys, uh, and gals. Um, but I've told every single one of them. I'm like, I 100 percent get it, but I have to judge the situation, and I have to judge it evenly, and I have to issue the penalty. So what you're saying is it's not like iRacing leagues when people wreck people on purpose. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. But, well, speaking of wrecks, I do also want to say this. Uh, Taldega was the final start, at least final scheduled one as of now, uh, for Brendan Gone in his uh, Not Gone Yet tour, his retirement tour. Uh, he had the big one avoided that uh, Kurt Busch went over uh, Cole Custer's car. Which, not by the over. way, Rick Allen, wait, 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 he did wait, not wait. go oh, upside I down. Over, out. I didn't. I did not say <laughs> he, he went upside on top down. of. He went on top of. I did he not did, say up. I did not say upside down. I did not say upside down at all. Okay. Okay. But, but anyway, he went on top of Cole Custer. To be more correct. Yes. Uh, Brendan had the wreck avoided, uh, and then Kyle Busch uh, slammed on the brakes to avoid. I think Kurt. 
and because of his damage from earlier, his brakes locked up and he spun into Brendan ending his day. Uh, I mean, there's nothing Kyle could have done, nothing Brendan could have done. Oh, oh you, this is the wreck that was caused by Clint Boyer yes. with his head up his whatever when he hit Jimmy <laughs> and then spun Jimmy into Kurt. Yes. Yeah, I remember that wreck. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, Which, by the way, uh, Kurt Bush getting that win in Vegas probably has no him. care. No care about oh, wrecking at yeah. Talladega. Oh, trust yeah, that, me, he has care. <laughs> but, but I was going to say, it, it definitely piqued his interest a little bit. Yeah, yeah, oh, trust me. But, I can guarantee you Kurt Busch was <laughs> unhappy. And I haven't talked to him. That's probably <laughs> why, one of the reasons why I know he's still unhappy. But, yeah, he is. Uh, he was not uh, – uh, I, I, can you blame him? I mean, come on. He was having a good run. He was up front. Yeah. And he had nothing. He, there was nothing he could do. It compl- I mean, Think about this. You're driving 200 miles an hour, and the next thing you know, yeah. you're on top of another car at 200 miles an hour. All I can say is, hey, at least you uh, didn't crash on lap one. Oh, <laughs> whoops. All right. Well, <laughs> well, for Christopher Bell, to be fair for him, it was a uh, cut tire. So... Yeah, a little hard to con. It well, was it set hard up a for great, the, hard for the driver to control what the, the crew sets up. Yeah, it set up a great day for cautions at Talladega. Yeah, yeah, uh, record breaking day. Yeah, so uh, yeah, something like that or close to yeah. it. Yeah, it, it was the record, the record was eleven. It's now thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. Wait, does that thirteen include the stage cautions? Y- yes. So we tied it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> The previous record was 11 when in the stage era. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. it's still a record either way. There you go. Um, uh, so I, I want to mention a couple things with their playoffs because they go into the Roval. Uh, we'll just make this real quick and we'll we'll end the show up, uh, on this. Kurt Busch obviously getting that win at Vegas locks himself in. Uh, Hamlin locks himself in too with the win, but obviously he probably had enough points to carry himself over before if he did get DQ'd. Um, either way, he, he's got tons of points to carry himself over. Uh, so those are the two guaranteed to lock in. Um, I believe Harvick is just a couple points away from uh, potentially locking in. So if he gets a good finish in, in one of the he stages... He nine points. Okay, so if he finishes first or second in the first stage, uh, he will lock himself in. Chase Elliott cannot lock himself in on stage points, so he will have to be able to finish the race. Um, even if he wins both stages, he has to finish like 41st or better or something like that, I think. Um, uh, and then so on and so forth. So, uh, But I do want to mention, too, with this with Chase Elliott, that penalty was rescinded, and he was given his, uh, what, fourth or fifth place finish yes. back. Um and now instead of the cutoff line being only four points, it is now a 21-point gap from Joey Logano down to Kyle Busch um, and Austin Dillon tied for uh, that ninth position. Um, uh, Joey Logano being in the playoffs currently and Kyle and D- uh, Dillon being out of the playoffs along with Clint Boyer and Eric Amorola. But didn't that push Bowman as well because of Bowman's crash? Where's uh- no, because uh, everybody else crashed. Well, no, no. When when they rescinded the penalty to Chase and applied it to Busher, the two of them swapped positions. So everybody between them actually held their position. Okay. 
Yeah. I, and, st I still predict Bowman's going to be out this weekend. Yeah, and Bowman is one point ahead of Joey Logano. Uh, Truex, uh, 10 points ahead of Bowman. So uh, 11 points over the cutoff line. Brad Keselowski, 20, uh, 20 points above the cutoff line, if I'm reading that right. Yeah. Um, yes. So 20 points above the cutoff line uh, where Joey Logano is. And then 23 for Chase Elliott. So I, I want to make a prediction on Chase Elliott. He said he has to finish 41st or better. If he there's, a, there's only 40 in the field. If he yeah yeah, I'm predicting that he finishes 41st or better. <laughs> <laughs> I am so. <laughs> this is why I work on the website, Jerry. <laughs> anyway. Um... I'm still in that 43 I, car field mode. I, I, I will say this, <laughs> it's though. okay. I will say this, though, uh, with the rain in the forecast for this weekend. Oh, uh, it's going to be a show. I, well, well, I was going to say. Show. The, the kicking the, show. <laughs> well, well there, is a, there is actually a point I'm trying to make here. Only two of the playoff drivers actually have experience racing in the rain in stock cars. Chase yeah. Elliott. And Brad Keselowski. Right, except that none of them have experience in racing in the rain, in stock cars, on in the, the playoffs, <laughs> on the Roval, as a cutoff race. Uh -huh. I, I'll give you all that, but I... Trust I me, a Roval, a Roval rain, in the rain is much different than a road course in the rain. A hundred percent. Oh, oh yeah. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that they, they might be a little bit more prepared than some others. It yes. will be... It will be a show. And I will weekend. say this. They cannot replicate rain on iRacing as of yet, so none of them can actually practice racing in the rain at the Roval on iRacing. Yeah, the why, only... Why can't they replicate rain? Uh, Let me just make I it... Race, iRacing is working on adding rain mm -hmm. to their service as, as right now. Right so now... A future thing. Yeah, right now the only simulator that's close to replicating rain uh, on an actual simulation is Gran Turismo Sport right now. Okay. Now, um, granted, they don't have rovals; they just have, you know, the international road courses. So, uh, but that is the only one that will get them experience with driving in the rain. Well, it's you know, we need to start wrapping this thing up. But before we do, uh, as you guys know, I've been in, I've been in Charlotte for the past couple of days. You know, I kind of need to spend more time up here because I've already found out Chevrolet's got a new 75,000 square foot uh, facility. It's empty right now. Um, the, the two employees that are working on it, um, one's working on computer stuff. The other is uh, doing layout for where everything's going to go. This is going to be the new V8 hybrid electrified engine facility that they will be building and uh, all the engines for the cars to re recoup energy for braking and other systems uh, mm -hmm. in the car. Yep. So that is, that looks like it's uh, definitely going to do, uh, going to be, obviously we knew it was going to happen, but I think given the timeline, engine won't come in until 2023 for sure. That's the, what I heard too. And it, for the past year or so, I've always heard, even before the next-gen car was delayed, it was next-gen car in 2021, yes. and then the next-gen engine a year or two later. Right. So just shift everything back one year, essentially. 
for for sure because I don't think that they can get the. I, I, we always knew that it was going to happen that way, but with when they started saying uh, with COVID, they thought maybe they could change things up and do it all at once. That's not going to happen from what I'm yeah. hearing now. So that's going to do it for me. That's all the information uh, I have so far. So what have you, you got anything else, Seth? Uh, well, before we end, make sure to like, subscribe, and ring the bell. Oh, on the YouTube channel. Yes. That's right. That's definitely at the Kickin' Show. Yes. And Justin, what's it like out on the, uh, on, on the, on the left coast? Oh, uh, man. Boring. Well, y'all have <laughs> rain coming, so hopefully it will quench the fires that are hopefully. out there. Yeah, no, thankfully we're safe. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that aren't um, right now, so... Uh, thoughts and prayers with everyone um, with all that right now but uh, yeah thankfully we're safe we're good uh, we're kind of out in the middle of the high desert in northern Los Angeles County so um, we had a few fires kind of surrounding us but uh, with the immediate kind of land that we're on nothing that would be able to get us in any kind of danger for that Excellent. Well, that's going to do it. Play some real cool music for the outro as uh, as we sign off for this week. We'll be back next week, and I'll be in the uh, sim at the house. And uh, you guys take care. Uh, lots of action this weekend here in Charlotte at the World Cup.